Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name. And we're still here. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi. Alongside me is Taylor Dammel and The Shark. We're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device it is that you use. Your random college hooper of the week this week is by Musa former forward big man for Syracuse. That's a name that you can really say with your gut. There was a five-year stretch where I think it was just cool to be a big man on Syracuse. You got the likes of Kata, Rick Jackson, Fab Mello, rest in peace, uh, Christmas, I was it Rakim Christmas. There were just some good big men, some fun big men at Syracuse. Am I missing anyone else? Is there anyone else you guys can think of off the top of your head? I don't count Tyler Lydon. He was kind of lame, to be honest with you. But those other guys were fun. So random college hooper of the week by Musa Check out the website at thebarnburner.com. That's the-barnburner.com. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is. And make sure to follow Taylor at Taylor Dammel and the shark at V underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. boys welcome back uh i've moved broadcasting to you live from not just a cramped studio apartment but now a one bedroom and it is worth noting that for the first time in my five-year relationship with my now fiance this is the first time that i and we will have a bedroom door if you can believe it or not first time since the uh, obama administration i believe so in Phoenix, we lived in a two-story loft, but no bedroom door. Obviously, here in Chicago, we lived in a studio, no bedroom door. We found this unit within the apartment building, up a floor, one bedroom, uh, a little bit more space, 
and I'm feeling good right now. I'm chugging a V8. I got basketball on the team. I got the house to myself for nine days. I should have started with that. Actually, any any guy that's been in a serious relationship knows when you get the home, when you get the crib to yourself for three or four days, that's pretty much a godsend. Nine days, I just kind of feel like I'm being selfish at this point. Uh, I also got a new TV. A lot of developments here for Subi. Uh, so I've upgraded in my life this past weekend. I was moving quite a bit. My feet hurt like crazy uh, calluses on my fingers from screwing in things manually using that little Allen wrench. You guys know what it's like. We actually had to go buy a power drill, Taylor, but I'll stop rambling for a second. Uh, any, any praise, any plaudits, anything you guys want to say to me, congratulating me. Cause I'll take it at this moment. Well, I think you need to splice in the uh, Jefferson's theme song deluxe apartment in the sky here moving on up because that's i mean it's literally what you did um as someone who has been dating a flight attendant for three years who leaves for three days a week every week i can't tell you how wonderful those three days each week are you just put and with this year too you just basketball games start at like noon 1 p.m on some random like esp and the ocho channel you just put that on you got all day basketball house yourself. Yeah, I, I understand. But uh, yeah, Sue, congratulations on putting together a chair or whatever. You know, actually, oh, no, no, a- no. See, no, I'm going to stop you right there. That's fucking bullshit. I had to help put together a TV stand, which was an absolute nightmare up until like 1230, 1 a.m. Rachel had to put together a dresser. I thought it was going to be easy moving up one flight of stairs. We even had movers pick up the bed and the couch. Assembly, though, is quite literally the worst part of moving. Hold on, let me give you a little more shit. Is this the first time you've ever moved in the last 12 years without me helping you? Uh, no, yes, of course. I, I moved in. <laughs> I moved uh, to Chicago. Are you kidding me? Well, I'm only half to Chicago. You, you kind of just left all your shit at our house and left. So I'm still counting that as... Uh, that as was the internal move. That was, that was from our old place. That was still in, in Phoenix. Okay, I'll bring fine. In the shark okay, fine. I'll, give you, I'll give you one or two then. I'm wondering if you want us to pat you on the back for this. I mean, Taylor was kind of kind of taking a few of my points that I was all set to kind of just go right down the line, um, commenting it on your digesting what you just dumped on us. But you did move up one flight of stairs. All right. This isn't like you move across the city, across the state. You didn't even move across the building. You went up one flight of stairs and you just mentioned something that is even more shocking to me. You hired movers to go up one flight of stairs to move essentially two pieces of furniture, a couch and a dresser. Is that what you did? Well, it's like not, not so you hire this thing. It's called bellhop. All right. It's an hourly thing. Believe it or not, I actually used to work for bellhop. So I used to be a bellhop. Did you really? If you ever walk down the, uh, if you ever walk down the strip in Knoxville, Tennessee, I moved in one of those apartment buildings pretty much by myself, even though there was a whole bunch of other bellhops because I had previous training as a mover. I was like George Washington storming the battlefield, marching people around. I was in charge of those bellhops, despite being just an average bellhop. Bellhop's a good service, I'll tell you what. Uh, but I, we, it was necessary because I'm not trying to finagle that th- this couch that we have, which is such a pain in the ass. I didn't want to move the mattress. I'm, I'm 30 years old, man. I'm yeah, done. I'm is. done doing the manual labor. Okay, and you know with the exception of shoveling my my patio, that is good manual labor. I'm going to be done kind of just picking on you for a little minutia because look, there's a lot of things I could really dive into that you mentioned right there. Um, but I'm happy that you're comfortable. I'm happy that you're settled. I'm happy that you got the place to yourself. Unfortunately, that didn't overlap with the first weekend. I mean, that, that would be heaven on earth if you had that one right there. Ooh. 
Why don't? So, so I'll here, tell you what, talking- though, real quick, Shark, real quick. That would not because I still got to take care of the dog. So if I had to like peel myself uh, away from the TV, you to wouldn't go for like a 30, 30 minute why? walk. That'd be bad. That's when you put the dog in the kennel for a weekend, vacation for the dog. You know. Or hire if you're if you're is that just hi, if you're into just hiring random people to do shit, don't you have like wa- wag or whatever the hell that app yeah, is? Get it, you know? get one of the bellhops to take care of that dog. I mean, I think you guys are outing yourselves as heartless, heartless people. Is that it's, a heartless a move? Puppy. Is kennel is kennel a hard term? Is it like a harsh term? I have no, 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 not a kennel, but right. like I mean, that's your dog. You're supposed Soup, to take care of it how no am I? What. How am I supposed to take care of my underdogs during the NCAA tournament if I'm taking care of my other dog and taking it for a walk? Okay, bad that's line. where you have bad, that's bad. That's line. where you have service. So. I don't okay. know if I'm going to give that to you. Bad okay, pun. okay, whatever, whatever. Bad pun. Going back a second here, since we talk about limits, sometimes like we talked about when uh, you know the last time you can say new, you know, happy new year and whatever. Is thirty the age range the the age limit where you can ask your friends to help you move? No older than thirty, right? Like twenties, so, maybe. Like I'll buy a couple beers, whatever. But thirty's got to be the limit, I think. I agree. Cut off. Be a grown professional. Pay money or do it yourself. Right. I I can't. I don't think. I don't think I go too early or earlier than that. You know. But I think thirty's definitely got to be the cutoff limit for that. What about enlisting a friend? And I'm thinking of you now because you used to have a truck. What, what about just like a quick couch move? Do I still need to hire? Like, oh, well, I suppose if you hire a mover at that point, like just get the couch. Well, and what it, that's another. Why are you buying a random used couch at 30 either? Like, that's the other question. Because if no, because if no, if, I'm saying, like, what if it, you need to just move it. And I don't know. There's a, there, how many times would you ever need to just move one couch without moving a bunch of other shit? Because the, the whoever you buy it from is going to probably provide you with a delivery service anyway. So, yeah. No, no, that's I'm, a fair point. I'm still saying, I'm still saying no. It's 30s the limit. 30s the limit. I'll do that. 30 years of age. That was a free advertisement for Bellhop, both me and the Shark. Uh, so if they want to sponsor the program, throw a little money my way, maybe a few miles, we'll get to talking. Let's dive in though to some college hoops here. Duke, winners of four straight, and are back on the bubble. You never, you, you would never think you'd say that sentence, right? Winning four straight here in February to get themselves. On the bubble, according to Lunardi, he has them, I think, last four out. So they were the first four out, now moving to the last four out, which is moving a little bit uh, up on the rung there. So Duke has won four straight, no longer dead. And we'll talk about that. Me and the Shark had a little bit of a, a conversation in our other group chat. Shark, let me ask you this point blank, though. Is Duke going to make the tournament? Yeah. I mean, I think they are, um, and I don't think it's that bold of a take to say that they are going to make the tournament. The ACC is not very good, and they are still in, what, the top five within the ACC. They're above 500. They have good wins. They beat the best team in the ACC already. They have a good enough resume where they're going to play, especially in a year when it doesn't take much to make the tournament at this point because a lot of people don't have very good records with fluffed up wins from early in the season. So they've done enough to get in the tournament at this point. Whether or not they're going to do any damage in the tournament, that's the other question, and I don't think they will. I still think, even though they won that game against Virginia, I was not very impressed with how they played. They got about one guy that deserves the ball and a bunch of other people that take absolutely atrocious shots. Uh, but I think I do think they're going to be in the tournament. I was going to try and make a shoulders Matthew Hurt pun here, but because the underdog one didn't work a second ago, I'll, I, won't I, I, honestly, I won't even. I won't even try. I, so. Yeah, please don't. And I, I'm. I almost got up and walked off the set <laughs> when that one came up. <laughs> but 
Duke's uh, four-game winning streak here has been kind of on the shoulders of Matthew Hurt. Uh, he's had 24, 22, 22, and 15 over the last four. You know, a, I don't want to say a dominating win against Syracuse, but they handled Syracuse uh, pretty well uh, this last Monday. Like you said, uh, they beat Virginia, and he scored literally a third of their points. Um, is he going to be able to do that in the tournament? Uh, I don't know. You know, and we still don't know a lot about this Duke team. Uh, Sands, Jalen Johnson, maybe other than the fact that maybe they really do look better without him. And I, that's nothing against Jalen Johnson. That just seems to be maybe that is the case here because he's missed two of these games and or has been gone for two of these games and really didn't play in the other two um, that they won. So maybe this is a little addition by subtraction. Uh, I, I do kind of agree with you, though, Shark, is that, you know, Matthew Hurd is obviously the go to guy on this team. Do they have enough firepower to do anything past the first round of the tournament or, or maybe second at most? I would say no. What is going to be interesting, though, and and um, something that we've seen with Kentucky in past years, um, but never with Duke, is we might see Duke as like an eight seed, right? And they're going to be a an extremely popular pick on that line of the 8-9 game or the 10-7 game or whatever. So that's going to be super interesting to see when it comes to tournament bracket time, what kind of uh, uh, name cachet or, you know, the, the randoms or the casual college basketball fan that sways their vote to, you know, picking Duke in, in the game that they're usually not in. Yeah. You think back to that Kentucky-Wichita State game, a lot of t- – People were upset that Wichita State had to draw Kentucky in the second round uh, as they were that eight seed. And I believe that eight seeded Kentucky team didn't go on to the final four. Uh, that Wichita State team was like undefeated, wasn't, weren't they? Or I think they, they like had one loss. one or something like that. Yeah. And then, yeah, yeah they had one loss. The thing with Duke is that if they're on the bubble, they're going to get it because of the name brand, uh, because the committee's not going to keep them out. I just have a hard time believing that. And that's okay. They've earned that type of, of, I don't know, nepotism, if you will. They've earned that uh, benefit of the doubt really over the past, whatever amount of years. Uh, I also think that this team might sneaky be one of the most reviled teams in Duke history. A lot of everyone hates Duke. We understand that. And there's different reasons for it. The reason I'm saying this is because I think if we see them on the bubble and they're going to be on the bubble, I don't think they'll play their way directly in I, I just don't see them getting to a point in two weeks where we're saying okay they're firmly in they're probably going to drop a couple more we'll see how they do in the ACC tournament but the reason I'm saying they might be one of the most reviled is because I can see everyone sitting here on selection Sunday going to the point that I just made Gumble says and the, you know at the eight seed the nine seed the Duke Blue Devils and everyone's saying what the fuck did we just completely discount their terrible performance in Coral Gables? Have we completely discounted the fact that they were 500 like two weeks ago? Uh, and yet they're going to make the tournament. So that's reason number one. And then on the other side, you have still guys mad at Jalen Johnson uh, for what, however you want to term it, quitting, opting out, whatever it is. So this Duke team very well could go down in history as one of the most uh, upsetting to some people. Shark, did you want to jump in add anything else on Duke? I would say in fairness to them, Compare them not to not to top five teams in each of the other conferences. You got to compare them to the other bubble teams. And I'll, I'll read the other bubble teams to you right now just so you get a feel. Uh, according to Lulardi, the other teams that are in are Indiana, 
who is basically 500, Minnesota, who is basically 500, UConn, similar situation as Duke, and Richmond, who has terrible losses. So Duke being over 500, playing in a tough conference. I know the ACC is down this year, but they're still playing in a tough conference, and they have a win over Virginia. (laughs) You can't put them under a magnifying glass and critique them for all the bad losses that they have without doing it against those other schools. So, yes, they very well may end up being a – seven to 10 seed and facing one of these teams that earn their way to a top seed line. But again, I don't think Duke is very good. You you watch them play hurt is good, ugly as hell, but good. Uh, but they have so many guys that think they're so much better than they really are. DJ Stewart, Jeremy Roach, um, you know, Goldwire isn't, I think he knows he's not very good, but he's just an annoying pass. Classic Duke guy right there, Coldwire. Vintage Duke guy. Um, Tons of like Tyler Thornton, Quinn oh, type of shit and Jordan exactly. Goldwire, man. Guy was just born to slap the floor. But anyways, that, that's kind of what their team is. A bunch of guys that think they deserve to take the shot when in no scenario should they ever be taking the shot other than Matthew Hurt. Well, they really can't, you know, they also can't rebound. They're like 200th in the country in rebounds and they give up over 70 points a game. So they can't play defense either. So if you don't have very good offensive players and you're not very good on defense, probably not going to take you very far in March. But two, two things I'd love to see, or two points I'd like to make is one, I'd love to see Duke in a play in game for the tournament. Talk about the NCAA all out for money, exploiting the a rare opportunity to put Duke in an ex, a team like Duke in an extra game like that. And then number two is they only have three games left in the regular season. That last game is, of course, against uh, North Carolina. And what is what a different feel that North Carolina Duke game is going to be. North Carolina is into the tournament. I think assumedly at this point, Duke is not in the tournament assumedly, but that could literally be like a play in game which we're usually used to saying like, Hey, who's going to get a top seed between these two teams. Now it's like, Hey, who's going to make the tournament between these two teams. Now, obviously, you know, Duke has some other games. They play Louisville and uh, Georgia tech in there, which are not automatic wins by, by any means, especially for this Duke team, but what a different feel that North Carolina Duke game is going to be at the end of the year. Well, so Duke is, we hear this cliche almost in every sport where an underdog team gets hot. You think of like the nationals, from a couple years back, they were in the the first or the game 163, and they ended up winning the World Series. These teams are playing playoff elimination style basketball or whatever sport it may be now for a while. Duke has for sure the second I think Jalen Johnson went, I'm sure Coach K has said to them, guys, we are now entering a stage where we can't afford to. We have zero margin for error. There is no room for error. Secret Service consequences you know what i'm talking about shark so i think duke right now has gotten into the fact that they're they're playing for their lives uh that carolina duke game is going to take on a whole new meaning and it's it's fun right you're right we are so used to seeing them with stakes high like the one or two seed uh maybe even the overall number one seed but now we get to see whether or not they're going to even make the tournament uh let me ask you this if duke doesn't make the tournament shark do they accept an invite to the nit is the NIT even happening? That's a good question. I don't think it is. Actually, I don't think it is. Yeah. Okay, Hypothetically about, speaking, yeah, they, in a non-COVID year. Yeah, they would take it. I don't Kentucky, know if they would. Kentucky, Kentucky's played in the NIT and they won it, right? With well, actually with Jody Meeks, I think, right? Wasn't he on that? Oh, team? maybe, but they also they also packed it in against Robert Morris and, lost and then in the first uh round. I think I know Arizona played in the NIT, also lost in the first round. Uh didn't didn't North Carolina play in the NIT? 
I don't even think they were uh, NIT eligible last no, year. No, then they, and there obviously wasn't a tournament last year. So, um, yeah, you would think. Well, I don't know. Yeah, in COVID years, no, they they wouldn't accept a bid because Coach K is ready to be done with the season already. But um, I think maybe in a normal year, I think they would. Um, what an interesting, or I, I keep saying interesting, but what a what a strange year for the ACC, by the way. That I mean, there's no really. I mean, Virginia is good. I'm very high on Florida State, but like Virginia Tech is third. You got teams like Syracuse, Clemson, Louisville that are all kind of 11 and 5, 13 and 7. It's not really a team where you usually look at the ACC and, and think, wow, they've got like three top two or three seeds in here. This year they have, at this point, zero teams that are going to be top three seeds, uh, maybe Florida State or maybe Virginia, depending on how they end the year. Well, Nadu was disgusted a couple weeks ago by saying if Coach K can't lead this team to the tournament in this ACC, you know, like I said, he, he'd be disgusted. Absolutely disgusting performance. Let's move on now then to some very good teams, teams that are vying for the number one overall seed, vying for one seeds across the, uh, across the NCAA tournament field. Baylor and Michigan come back after their hiatus and pick up pretty much exactly where they left off. Michigan defeats Ohio State in a tremendous basketball game, arguably the game of the year. Let's start with the Wolverines. Shark, how good is this Michigan team? Are they good enough to win the entire thing? Absolutely. I think they're the clear third favorite. They're they're a couple wins away from locking up that third number one overall seed. And they proved it against a team that could be the fourth number one overall seed on Sunday. That game was awesome. But Michigan proved to just have an answer and had a toughness level um, to not let the game ever get away from them, but also hit big shots. They're so well-rounded. They have pretty much everything you could want. And a big guy in Dickinson, you know, livers who can stroke it, tough guards, Shondi Brown, who, I mean, just kind of an animal. And then you got Wagner as well. I mean, that team is very well-rounded. They can shoot it. They're, they they have depth, they can rebound, they make their free throws, they're everything, they're checking all the boxes that you can imagine. And it's kind of just surprising to everyone because nobody really expected this coming into this year. Um, I thought Ohio State, who, uh, you know, I, I, I had them at 75 to 1 to win the title. And sure enough, they sorted up. You can't get odds like that anymore. Sub's over here bragging about predicting Duke was going to make the tournament last Friday. I, 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 I just said they weren't dead. Yeah. That I mean, actually it, might go play more into your point. Well, I'm just saying it's not a very bold take. You know, picking okay, Ohio they were, State. Come on, they were what 500. We're, we're talking right. about Michigan. We won't rehash yeah. it. Yeah, talk Go Michigan. away. Get out of here. All right, but Michigan is good. Okay, that's the bottom line. Michigan is good. Um, they are the clear third horse at this point, and I could see them. They're just, I mean, they're 16-1. and one. Baylor's 17-0. and 0. I don't even know why I'm calling them third. They could be just as good as these teams. In fact, the Big Ten is definitely the best conference in basketball, so Michigan could be better than Gonzaga for all we know. They're great on offense. I think they're seven on uh, Ken Palm. Defensively, they're 11. I mean, this team, they, they are surprising a lot of people because this wasn't the preseason expectations, but it's a vintage Michigan team. Taylor, where does this Michigan team rank compared to the other two recently that have played in title games? So the the Mo Wagner team that got their ass whooped by Villanova, no shame in that, and then the Trey Burke team that lost to Peyton Siva in Louisville. Where does this team stack up with them? Well, you know, it, it, it's a hard question to answer because I don't think that we necessarily thought all that highly. 
I mean, we thought highly of both of those Michigan teams going into the tournament, but I don't think either of those teams had obvious title expectations like maybe this one might now have. And so that's a tough, you know, it's kind of a little revisionist history to have, uh, uh, you know, where does a team that hasn't played in the tournament rank against teams who did play in the tournament? Uh, I, but I think Shark is completely right um that this is kind of a vintage michigan team it's a team that wasn't necessarily expected to be as good as they are uh just like when beeline was there you'd have a bunch of guys who were pretty good it seemed but then they always were good at the right time i know Subi harps on how much he doesn't give a shit about recruiting all the time and someone like hunter dickinson is a fantastic example of that dude was like the 50th ranked recruit in the country coming into the year this year I don't think anyone had any expectation of him being arguably Michigan's best player. He's leading the team in points and rebounds. He's probably going to be an all big 10 guy as a freshman, which I don't think anybody expected. That's exactly, I think Hunter Dickinson is, is a Subi guy. That's like, that's his perfect like recruit or college basketball player is someone like Hunter Dickinson. But I just want to, I think, you know, all the credit really goes uh, to Juwan Howard here on this one. I mean, phenomenal coaching job so far that he's done and uh you know you look at other coaches that were former players that had all the hype coming in you know a penny hardaway or a Stackhouse, uh you know people like that those guys their hype peaked early and they haven't done much since now obviously penny had a couple things to deal with but but uh, they've really built or continued a nice program in Michigan. And and uh, they're really and they have been for a long time, one of the most underrated basketball programs in the country. They're way more of a basketball school now than even they are. A football. Yeah, I mean, I think you're an idiot and I'm not saying you're the idiot, but I think no, you're I dumb if, if you don't think that Michigan's one of the best college basketball, top five, top 10 college basketball teams of the past decade. And I'm glad you brought up Juwan Howard because he has done a tremendous job. I think the toughest thing that you can ask a coach to do is maintain the level uh, of without missing a beat, without any sort of hiccups uh, of your predecessor. John Beeline, obviously a fantastic coach. He went to the Cavs. I don't think the Cavs get enough shit for how funny that scenario played out. Half a season with Beeline. But anyway, uh, Jawan Howard doesn't miss a beat, and he even has him playing, like you had mentioned, compared to those other two teams, potentially better. Shark, I know I saw you wanted to jump in. On the point of Hunter Dickinson, you know, being in the um, D.C. area, I don't know how Patrick Ewing let him out of the backyard. He played at DeMatha. He's from Alexandria, Virginia. Can you imagine a combination of Mac McClung and Hunter Dickinson on Georgetown? I mean, that and, would be – And James Akinjo, too. No, like, I know. Eh, okay, I, I can imagine it without Akinjo. <laughs> well, I'm glad you brought up uh, – well, Let me bring up the two All-Americans, and you're going to throw in your guy. All right. Oh, he's the best point guard in the Pac-12. But I'm glad you brought up Ewing as well because you can lump Ewing in with Hardaway. You can lump him in with uh, with Stackhouse as well, former players, especially at their alma mater. Uh, alma mater. So Juwan Howard doing a fantastic job. Have we talked Franz Wagner yet, though? Is he the most underrated player in the entire country? He very well could be. Franz Wagner doesn't get enough credit in my book for being – arguably Michigan's best player for being as consistent as he has here in uh, at, at Michigan at that program. I think everyone just sort of recognizes him as Mo's younger brother, but he's making a name for himself now and he should be making a name for himself. How funny would it be? And I, I wish we had a stat guy. Have there been brothers that have both gone to the final four? Do we know that? And I'm not talking like twins playing on the same, on the same team, right? 
I don't think Kansas ever did, but for example, hypothetically, if Kansas went to the final four with the Morris brothers, that wouldn't count. I'm talking two guys, two brothers that played at the same program or not, maybe not even at the same program. Have gotta, there been be two a, brothers? gotta be a Plumley. Plumleys are the first name that would jump to mind on for something like that. The hands bros didn't do it, but Plumley is immediately jumping to the top of my it, list. It has, has to, the Plumleys had to have made more than one final four between the three of them. One of the funniest tweets I've ever seen, it just said, society has moved past the need for Plumleys. And it's just so true. We don't need Plumleys anymore. So I want to ask Shark a question here. Though. Did you really just call Mac McClung an All-American? Yeah. 16 points a game at like 42% from the field on a team that's under 500 in conference is an All-American? I would say so, yes. <laughs> How many people are on this All-American team? Like 40? So well, who's your all American team? Let's because I know you want to move. there, Garza's there. We can all agree to Sumu and Garza, Kate, right? That's Kate, two. Kate, yeah, Kate yeah. Cunningham. Okay, you want to do the under five hundred on a team? You can do that for him too. They're not. They play, they're not. I know they five hundred in conference though. What and are they, they? One game better than Texas Tech because they played last and night they, and you and wanted to fire off that time. And they beat him twice. I know you just wanted to fire off that stat, but in reality, do you think that Mac McClung's done more for Texas Tech or Kate Cunningham for Oklahoma State? Ser- what? Kate Cunningham. What? Are you Texas is that a serious Tech- question? Texas Tech can win the national title. They're not playing well right now, but I, I feel like you're completely writing them off. No, 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 no. Nobody's writing them off. But in terms of who's doing, did you just say more, that Mac McClung is yeah, Oklahoma State without Texas Kate Cunningham Tech and Cade Cunningham? Who's like Cowboys a- without Cade is is an unwatchable product most. Who's likely. a like shoe in first team all American freshman of the year and has pretty much led that team to actually being a pretty I, yeah, decent I, and not, ranked team and has beat Texas Tech twice. So I'm not gonna disagree on the fact that the numbers are better, but I think that Mac McClung can elevate Texas Tech to a national championship. So that's kind of my point on all this. Yes, Oklahoma State would be a horrible program without Katie Cunningham but they were always going to kind of be a horrible to average program. Texas Tech, a team of transfers from all over the place. They play great defense. No one really established prior to this season. They were never going to win a national title, but they can with Mac McClung. Yes, you can tell me they're under 500 in the Big 12, but they were ranked in the top 10 like two weeks ago. So that was my point. I will say a couple nights ago in that showdown, McClung – and Cade in crunch time were a lot of fun. Cunningham actually had some troubling turnovers down the stretch, but he did. I mean, I think he finished with a game high 20 or something like that. And McClung hit a bunch of uh, tough shots. He also missed terribly on some threes, but those two players are incredibly fun to watch down the stretch. Yeah. So let's yeah. go back. And this might be what uh, a, a segue of sorts, one would say. Um, the last game of the season for Ohio State is Illinois, another hot team in the country. And that game could very well be for, again, the the first right to the last number one seed there. And so that's going to be a hell of a game. Ohio State is really good. I just have a, you know, I've, I said this all year, and maybe this is just, you know, a me thing. I'm just having trouble with putting the amount of wins and losses you're supposed to have at this point to be a certain seed in the right order because Ohio state has lost five games this year already. 
Um, I know they only have a couple left. And that's usually outside of the amount of losses that a number one seed would have. Now, is this a normal year? No. And is this just a me thing? Very much, very much a possibility. So, you know, can Ohio State lose again and still get a number one seed? I would say no. Does anybody disagree with that? No, I, I, I mean, I think right now it, your one seeds are Gonzaga, Baylor, Michigan, and I don't think who, who Illinois, Illinois. Yeah, that's Shark, what I would Do you say. have any disagreements with that? Um, I could see Villanova getting there. I could see Virginia getting there. I, I think you. It's very difficult to have. I don't I mean, know if Virginia's it, getting there. Nova, I'll give you. If they win, if Virginia wins the ACC, I think they could. They only have like five losses. I mean, the, the big the Big Ten. You have Ohio State, Illinois, um, Michigan, and really Iowa is pretty damn good too. But I know that they're towards the bottom of it at this point. But those three teams, it's hard to for one of those people to jump in. They all have what four losses or so outside of Michigan. How how about the Clearly, best team in the SEC, Alabama. They only, yeah, have, one, they only yeah. have one conference loss, and they could definitely get there too. We'll talk about this matchup a little later in the show. Uh, there's a little foreshadowing there, but they have a major game against Arkansas that really could. Uh, oh God, I hate to say this. Turn the tide of the SEC. I didn't even mean to do that. You've that wasn't, better, that, was, that wasn't even, I wasn't even meaning to do that. So that's, that's a lot better than the dog word play. That's totally my bad. That was, I'm going to have to take a lap after this, but it really could. If Arkansas wins that game, then it's kind of a little bit more of an open matchup after the last few games in the SEC. If Alabama wins that game, it's pretty much Alabama's or bust. So, but if they, I mean, if they win out and they win the SEC, Alabama could very much, you know, get that one seed. I think Houston's out of that one seed conversation. I know that's Sharks boys, but um, yeah, I think Alabama's probably got to be, I think they almost have a better opportunity or better likelihood than Villanova at this point, just considering, you know, if, if SEC in the SEC, if they only end with one loss, that's pretty impressive for any program. Yeah. So what I think is going to be poetic justice and good theater and good humor is when Ohio state fans point at Michigan and they say, Oh, they don't have enough. They don't have enough games played. How, how, how are they able to get a one seed? Uh, with with X amount of games played and not even realizing that's exactly what people were saying with Justin Fields and company. So that's going to be good hypocrisy on display that I'm sure will happen with Ohio State. But the other thing is that you lost your head-to-head to them. That being said, I do love Ohio State. I know Shark's going to think I'm like jumping on his bandwagon, but EJ Liddell is an absolute workhorse down low. And Kyle Ahrens, if he gets hot in the tournament, that might be their X factor. He reminds me of a Ryan Klein type of guy who can just bury you with seven threes in a game when the, when the Buckeyes are up against the ropes and murder you on en route to a Final Four in a, or an Elite Eight. He's one of those guys, you look at his numbers, he, I think, has only attempted one, uh, maybe one two-point shot all year. It's strictly threes, and, I mean, he's lighting it up. That guy's a great shooter. I swear to God, him and Liddell are two guys where whenever you tune in here and there to Buckeyes games, you say to yourself, I don't know if I've ever seen these guys miss. I don't know if I've seen EJ Liddell miss a mid-range or like a contested layup. I don't know if I've seen Kyle Arns hit or miss a three. Uh, so we'll see what the Southpaw does there for the Buckeyes. One more note on that Michigan-Ohio State game that we started this discussion with. And that was probably the first game that I officially thought, oh, this is a tournament level 
basketball game and not just a tournament level basketball game, but like a final four or at least an elite eight type of matchup that we will, I don't want to say likely see, but we, you know, there's a decent likelihood that we will see it. Um, that was just how the game was played that, you know, that the faux atmosphere, let's call it. It felt most like a tournament game than we've seen all season. Selection Sunday, the holy day is right around the corner. Gentlemen, please be prepared. So let's move on to another Big Ten team that we alluded to. It's Illinois. The Illini ranked number five in the country right now as we're recording this. Winners of seven straight. I feel like a lot of people are giving praise to Michigan. They're giving praise to Iowa. And slowly but surely, Underwood's boys are really rounding into form. I just got to talk real quick about Io DeSunmu. The most, I, I think he might be the most electric player to watch down the stretch. We talked about Cade and we talked about uh, McClung. He's the best, cl- DeSumo is the best closer in all of college basketball. I think there's like a two and a half minute cl- YouTube clip of him just freezing games, icing them by himself. So Io DeSumo, appointment television as it is, willing his Illini team, they've, they've scraped by a little bit during this seven game winning streak. And there's some, tendencies where you say to yourself fuck these guys might actually get clipped in the first round but they also clearly have final four potential does io Desunmu shark deserve player of the year because a lot of people are saying and giving it to garza some people have talked about some other names like a colin gillespie potentially does Desunmu deserve that player of the year he'll have a way to earn it at the end of this year i, I know they're red hot right now but let's slow down a little bit on crowning them and saying that they're completely their victories are against kind of the trash of the biggies, uh, excuse me, the big 10 real quick, even, Charlie, even, real quick to be fair. I've been crowning them for like two fucking years now. So oh no, you, you, you know, let's to be fair again, to be fair to your fairness, you came off them a few months ago. So, and, then, and then they played, well, then they played cupcakes and now here you are again, crowning them and pretending like it never happened. It happened. So, Let's see what happens when they end their season playing on the road against Wisconsin, then on the road against Michigan, and then again on the road against Ohio State. That's a three-game road gauntlet for you. Iota Sumo, if he keeps this up, if he wins two of those three, then I think he certainly uh, deserves to be player of the year for the whole country, uh, especially over Garza as well, because Garza, Iowa, you know, they're they're pretty much cemented in um, – towards not being on the one line unless they can, or two line really at this point as well, just because Illinois and Ohio state have played themselves above them and Michigan, but even the stretch that Illinois has been on their wins are Penn state stinks, Iowa, but the game was at home for Illinois on the road against Indiana. That's a pretty good win. I like Indiana, Wisconsin, again, at home for Illinois, you should win that. And then against Nebraska against Northwestern on the road against Minnesota. Um, I'm not, I'm not moved by that. And that's something that should happen. So if they can do it against these three powerhouses in the Big Ten, then I would be impressed. Are you impressed at all, Taylor, with the seven-game winning streak? I am in, uh, most impressed by Ayo Desumu. Like you said, I, you know, Illinois' program has had four triple-doubles in the entirety of their program history. Ayo Desumu has two in the last four games. That's in- incredible. And I forget – I was looking at this the other day, and I should have wrote it down, but I forgot. It's the – like what the equivalency of a, a, a triple double in college basketball to is to uh, the NBA. And it's something like 10 assists in college back basketball is equal to like 16 NBA assists or 10 rebounds is equal to like 18 NBA rebounds and 20 points is equal to like 35, like just incredibly uh, exacerbated numbers. Uh, 
you, you know, I'm not sure if it's like a, what the conversion rate is on that, but that's what I'm most impressed with. Shark is completely right um, in saying that they haven't exactly played the best teams in the league, but you know, it's kind of one of those things where you look and say, like, we just kind of had that discussion is, okay, so who else are you going to pick then? Right. They might not be as impressive as you want them to be in a vacuum. But then when you look at them compared to what everybody else is doing, everybody else is seemingly having the same problems outside of the top three teams, which we just talked about in Michigan, Baylor and Gonzaga. Speaking of Gonzaga, one of their players will be a first team All-American, whether it be Timmy or Kispert or I mean. Yeah. Timmy's averaging 19 and seven. Kispert's averaging 19 and five. Suggs is averaging 19, five and four and two. Yep. One of those guys will be an All-American. So when you look at, you know, are any of those guys better than Ayo Desunmu? No. Uh, is anybody better than Ayo Desunmu? Right now at whatever time it is, mountain time? Uh, no, I would say that right now nobody is. But Luca Garza does will have a case. Um, one of the Gonzaga guys will have a case, especially if they go undefeated. Um, I'm not sure if we can pick. Can we pick anyone specifically from Baylor that is like up there? I know that they're more of Butler. Butler for sure. Well, but Jared as Butler a, deserves a spot at that table as a first team All American. Yeah. Okay. I yeah. think so. so. Yeah. Yeah. Especially if they go undefeated, right? Or they get a, which they will get a one seed. They could probably lose like three games from here on out and still get a one seed. So. Um, yeah, I, I would say that I am impressed with Illinois and Ayo Desunmu simply because Desunmu is doing things that nobody in an Illinois uniform has ever done before. And there's a lot of good fucking basketball players that have played for Illinois. It's just good to see Illinois back to being competitive. This is clearly their best team since D. Brown, Luther Head, the team that lost to Carolina in the in the finals like, what, like 16 years ago or some, something like that. So it's good to see them on top. There's certain programs and there's certain teams in every sport where the sport is better because they are good. Illinois is certainly one of them. And when you have star power like Io DeSumo, when you even have a guy like Kofi Coburn, who, by the way, garnered much more attention. I love these stories of guys like DeSumo because his own teammate, Coburn, if you remember a couple of years ago when Underwood recruited him and when he committed to Illinois, that was the big turning of the tide for the fans in Champaign. They were saying, okay, we this is the first big-time crew that we got. And it turns out, I mean, Kofi Coburn's a great player. Don't get me wrong. But he's not Ayo Desunmu. He's not as impactful as Desunmu is. And it and, and he's really the one that's spearheading it. And it's kind of funny. Like, you, you look at the D Browns and you look at Luther Head and, and Darren Williams – lot of Darren Williams in Io Desunmu there. Desunmu's stock is going to rise so much, not even not even necessarily from a draft standpoint, but just from a national popularity standpoint over the next month and into the tournament. Uh, you know, for multiple different reasons. Obviously, college basketball is kind of at the forefront right now. NBA All-Star Weekend is coming up, and that people aren't really going to give a shit about that this year, in my opinion. And why I think that his... Uh, or people are watching basketball or college basketball so much is the Michigan Ohio state game was the highest rate college basketball game of the year this year, and actually drew more of an audience than any other basketball game across the last week. That's not any other college basketball game. That's any other basketball NBA included. So we really have a focus here on college basketball nationally. And Ayo Desunmu is going to be in probably one of the three or four biggest games of the year. Uh, that we have left, and that is that Ohio State-Illinois game at the end of the season. Tons of storylines moving forward. A few other news and notes before we go ahead and get to our gambling segment. 
conference tournaments start this Thursday, as in tomorrow. Uh, the Horizon League starts its conference tournament. I had no idea. Completely blindsided. Fucking COVID's completely jacked up all the scheduling. We're trying to scramble, get in some Jerome picks. That's on the keeper of the Jerome. That's on our good good friend of the program, Brendan Brady, Stone Bold, O'Rourke, and, of course, the Providence Crier, Mike Surratt. So we'll keep you posted on that. But this is your PSA right now because I just found out today that the Horizon League starts. Shark, did you have any fucking clue? Did you know that we're about to enter postseason play for college hoops? No clue. Had absolutely no idea that this was happening this week. Got, kind of feel like I got caught with my pants down. So I'm going to have to ride just because they fucked me last year. I'm going to have to ride with Wright State uh, in the Horizon League this year simply because those were my boys last year. Wright State last year was my Drake this year. Super unfortunate that they didn't do anything for me. They didn't even make the tournament because they lost in the Horizon League championship game. So I'm going to ride with Wright State into this Horizon League championship this season. Hey, nobody asked you to make a pick, but if they lose, you're going to get the slander because that's out, that's out there now. Right, State hey, is, your, is your pick. You can't you can't hate on a guy for being prepared and then take you know take claim to him being wrong when nobody else made a pick for it. So all right, Right State's your boys. The other news and note that I want to make uh, a point of is USC. I've said pretty much since, and I'm sure the shark will have something to say about this, but I'm about to toot my own horn. I think early January, maybe late December is when I said USC is the best team in the Pac-12. Everyone kept talking about Oregon. Everyone kept saying when they get every single player back from COVID, all this stuff, injuries, whatever it is. I said USC was the best team. There it is. I already got a face from the Sharks. They beat the brakes off of Oregon in the Galen Center. They're the best team in the Pac-12. They've won like what, 13 of their last 14 or whatever the hell it is? That might be exaggerating, but they have they have the longest winning streak, I think, until it got snapped against Arizona. Came back against Oregon, dominated them. Go ahead, Shark, go ahead. What, what do you I want just, to say? Oh, who are you arguing against? Who did you pick to win the Pac-12? Who did you? You, Subi, who did you pick to win the Pac-12? It was an Arizona State. It, but okay. that being right. no, hold on, hold on. And, and then you just you come up here and you take your platform, you start screaming and hooting and hollering, and you go... I said, as in mid-January, that's like four weeks ago. All right, so early you change January, your early or, January, early January, six weeks ago at this point. You want us to give you credit for something once you've actually seen half the season play out, and you want to change your pick to them, and when you want you me pick, to sit here. I'm just saying, I, You want me to go get the ticket? I'll show you the ticket. When did you get them? That probably early January, and I actually put my money on that. You're, you're sitting over here talking to yourself in your studio apartment in front of your 40-inch TV. Wouldn't on a one TV bedroom, stand. one bedroom you know, apartment, one bedroom, well, no. 55 inch. This was at this point he was not living in the one bedroom. He was in the studio, and he was on the 40-inch TV, not the 55-inch TV. Which, by the way, you didn't hype me up for. You sent to me a picture of your TV, and I was able to identify the exact inches of that TV just from the photo that you sent me. That's pretty impressive. I deserve more credit than that. I, uh, I get anyways, credit in the text. Yeah, you made this. Uh, you're making arguments to yourself, and then you're you're doing a podcast where you're fluffing yourself up after the fact. I mean, get out there and make stand for something, you know, send a tweet out. They're, they're not, they're not going to win. They're this not going to win. Muted. Yeah. The host he's, of the show is muted trying to make a point right now. I did tweet it early January. I said, if I was a USC fan, I'd be pissed that Oregon's getting all this love. They should take it personally. They won by like 14 the other night. And that's I a said, comment on one game, tweet, man. Tweet, man. <laughs> that's not a, that's not a very, 
I'm going to stand for something, um, you know, come down to the, you know, hear my key point. I'm going to stand on a soapbox take right there. That's you just sent, talking out loud. That's not a very strong take. And they're not even going to win the best. They're not going to win the Pac-12 because they're not even the best team within 20 miles of their campus because UCLA is going to beat them in the last game of the year and their UCLA is going to win the Pac-12. Didn't See, they already beat UCLA? Well, they play twice sure. a year. No, I understand that. But, I mean, they uh, how many games clear are they of UCLA right now? Just half a game. They're only half a game? That's yeah. fine. Yeah. USC is going to win it. USC will beat them. Nick Cronin, Nick Cronin is going to outcoach Enfield. I think you got – what's the bet going to be on this one? Sue's got USC, Taylor's got UCLA, two pack God. guys. Who Boy, knows that, more about the pack? That pains me to even suggest that I'm making a bet on UCLA. Well, you are. I know. Uh, I don't his know. His voice. He's also on record now as UCLA being his voice. You took Arizona State, who fucking sucks to win the conference. So, so did like, you, didn't you? No, I no, took he UCLA. Didn't. He took no. UCLA. His yeah. voice. So I'm still riding with Cronin and his boys, I guess, and his East Coast toughness, which Shark should love more than anything else. I, well, no, maybe I, not. I don't he's like Cronin. <laughs> You're not a Cronin guy? Nah, Too much I underweight? Mean, I just can't. These teams can't score enough. That's the problem with Cronin. Yeah, I don't like. I don't like McCronin either. But I don't care. We can bet on. We can. We can hash this out on Twitter this week too. If we don't, we don't want to come up with something, you know, in haste here. So we can come up with something, um, especially when it gets to that last game. Or we can just wait to the last game and make the bet on that specific game. If we, we want could, to. Wh- why don't we? I mean, in years past or just last year, we did the. Uh, we did the the perfect storm. We'll call it perfect storming. You can get the first 10, 15 minutes. Diatribe soapbox. How about five? How about five minutes? Five minutes. You can't fill a lot. You can't. Ten's a lot. If, you've already filled in by by yourself. I did yeah. fifteen. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you did yeah. a full show. <laughs> I've done several full shows by myself, and it's kind of hard. So um, let's do five minutes. I think five minutes is t- is fine. It's not too big of a bet. We, you know, maybe if some other shit comes up in that time, we can lengthen it. But I think five minutes is ample. It's fine. So, Talk about so, whatever you want for five minutes. None of us can say anything. Several several shows by himself. Humble brag right there. Let's go ahead and get to our gambling segment. Please, sir, I want some more. Before we do that, though, we want to remind you that we're brought to you by Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel and, of course, the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe. All right. Uh, Shark, I'll start with you. Please, sir, I want some more. Please, sir, I want some more. What? 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 some more? Give us some picks. All right. Um, I think the ones last week, I only two of them got rained out. One one was a push. The other one was a COVID. And the other one I won. So I'm 1-0 and last week. Uh, so obviously that's going to bump up my 72% weekday record to whatever that is, whoever's crunching those numbers. 1-0-1. One, one, not 1-0. 1-0-1. One, yeah, it's not a loss, though. So it's going to improve the winning percentage, which is uh, really all I'm looking for. You would be a wonderful speaker of the house, or not a speaker of the house, but like just the, a publicist, I should say. Hold on. I'm going to hop in real quick. Shark secretary. That's your that's Sub, Sub, you can, or maybe some of the other listeners, this podcast can, can enlighten me here. But throughout this betting segment, Shark's rules and regulations have kind of slightly shifted they're kind of like an amoeba let's call it they're just kind of shifting around a little here a little there kind of striking me as that kid in the playground that was changing the rules every time that like things didn't work out right does that sound am i completely off base here soup tell me i'm wrong 
I mean, I, to be honest with you, I kind of just zone out when you guys give me the picks, and that's why I ask you after the show to text them to me. So I'll take your word for it. I'll take the Sharks' word for it. I'm just looking for some picks. The theater goers are looking for some picks. The Sharks already said that. I agree. I don't no, I agree. Go ahead. I, I'm not changing the rules for anything, and, I'll, and then, Taylor, you can take the rest of your time to comment on this. I'm not changing the rules. I'm not even looking at this as a competition with you. If I did, I would have, you know, danced around a little bit when you went 0-3 that week. I know you're hot right now, so I'm giving you credit. But technically – you and I both lost the same amount of games last week. So I know that you got a feather in your cap because you went 3-0, but hey, I didn't lose. I lost just as few as you. Okay, picks. Um, I got a couple here. I got three. Um, first one, you ever seen the movie Public Enemy, Sue? There was a time where you and I both loved that one song with the banjo. Yes, I have seen it. I'm not going to ask you to splice that line that song here, but I am going to ask you to splice a line when John Dillinger's talking about it, a scene, he's at a bar, he's got a girl with him, you know, doing a little tit for tat. This is me. Uh, and he does an introduction about himself and he goes, you know, I like baseball. I like fast cars, pretty women drinks and, and you, what else you need to know? Something along those lines, splice that in right here. I like baseball movies, good clothes, fast cars, whiskey, and you, what else you need to know? Well, if you're going to ask me things I like, I like, Naked bootlegs on fourth and short. I like ordering a drink as the waiter is ready to give me the check at the end. So give me a drink as he brings the check out at the end. Like and a I water? Like, well, no, no. Like another beer as the check's coming out. You order, hey, give me a beer when you get the check and bring me one more beer. So he puts that last oh, beer see. on the check. You know what I mean? Got it. Yes. Um, and I like betting power five conferences teams at home during lazy weekday games around 430. And I'm talking specifically about Wake Forest playing Clemson tomorrow at uh, today at 4:30 Eastern Time in Winston-Salem. Wake Forest is getting four and a half. Wake Forest is terrible. All right, they've had an awful year. They're not a good team. Clemson has somehow rallied a little bit. They've won about three straight. They're going to be in the tournament. But when I when I look at Wake Forest's schedule and I see Steve Forbes, their new coach from East Tennessee last year, needing to get a couple more wins before this awful year rounds out. I think this is an opportunity. Wake's getting four and a half. It should be larger based off of how these teams have played this year. Uh, last year, actually, when they played, Wake beat Clemson once, and then there was another close game against Clemson. So I'm, I'm going to take Wake to cover the four and a half. That line is kind of spooky to me. So I'll play the Dillinger thing. You can maybe play the song right now if you want to. So that's my first pick. Next pick, Taylor alluded to this uh, earlier in the show. Um, Alabama, Arkansas, that's the highlight of the night. I don't know what side he's going to be on, but I'm going to be on the Arkansas side. How do, how do you not sing that, by the way? Alabama, Edward Sharp and the whatever. Alabama, Arkansas. I do, there, I'll, I'll splice that in. Go ahead. Well, that's the thing. Well, that's the thing. You said you weren't listening when we do picks, and I just left out a platter for you to take that and gobble it up. So thank you for doing it. Um, you don't bet against Arkansas and Bud Walton Arena, especially when it's a pick em line when Alabama is on the verge of a one seed, has everything going for them. They've only lost once in the SEC. They're rolling right now. Why is this game a pick em? It's because it's Arkansas. It's because it's Barker, Bud Walton Arena. Muscle Milk's going to have these guys fired up. There's nobody better at winning meaningless games in February than Eric Muscle Milk. So give me Arkansas right here to get the hype, and I think they're going to be able to run with Alabama and get the win there. Final pick, disgusted by this pick. Not even going to provide much analysis, but I'm taking Tennessee minus 6.5. Embarrassing. I'm glad we made it through 53 minutes of the show without bringing it up. Horrible performance over the weekend against Kentucky. Not happy about it. We're getting six and a half. Vanderbilt is just poop. 
So I feel good about uh, Tennessee's position right there. They beat them by 20 earlier this year. Rick Barnes is too good of a coach to not let his team uh, get in stride as this calendar turns to March in a couple days here, Father. Before I so, pivot to Taylor, are you officially out on Marty Folkhauser? The folk man? Uh, I mean, I'm not tweeting right now because I gave up tweeting for Lent, but it's a good thing I gave up tweeting for Lent uh, to Fulkerson on Saturday. Just... <sighs> Soft, man. I'm not giving up on him yet, though, because people can always redeem themselves. You learn this as a Red Sox fan. J.D. Drew was the worst contract in the history of the world. It's one grand slam in the ALCS. Everything's fixed forever. So that's how I feel. Kemba Walker, it still might happen for him. And the Celtics, if we were to get to a tournament, one big shot at the end. You never know. So I'm going to leave that. I know we're not paying folks in anything, but his legacy could be corrected this year if he has a big game in a tournament game. What a comp between Max player Kemba Walker, who went like one of 12 against the Lakers and an unpaid John Fulkerson for the Tennessee Vols. Taylor and JD Drew. And JD Drew. You only, only on Titch will you get those three in a room sitting at a bar. Taylor, go ahead. Give us your picks. So I'll start with that Arkansas-Alabama game, and we are on the same side. I'm on Arkansas as well. And I would even hazard to guess that by game time or by tip, Alabama might gain a point or two as favorites as the money comes in. So I'm going to take Arkansas to pick him anyway, but I'm going to guess that we might even get a point uh, just going forward on that. Uh, this is the first matchup, our first ranked matchup in Bud Walton Arena since 1998. So you know that Arkansas is going to be hyped for this game. All the points Shark said are completely correct. So I'm going Arkansas uh with shark on that one uh next one i'm going to go to a uh, kind of a well that i've gone to all year long and that's florida state they play miami uh just a horrific miami team uh florida state by 11 i think a team that really has been flying under the radar they are extremely athletic as they always are uh they are well coached as they always are. And I think that they're going to get hot. One of those teams that just gets hot at the right time uh, heading into March. They're a sneaky backup to the 11th ranked team in the country. And I think that they're going to absolutely dominate Miami tomorrow. So I'm taking Florida state by 11. And then last but not least, I kind of had a kind of had a hard time deciding where I was going to go with my third pick. It's a team that we haven't discussed much this year until earlier in this show. And really hasn't been discussed much nationally, but I'm going to take North Carolina by eight over Marquette. Uh, similar to the reasoning in my last uh, pick there is Marquette is just not good. They are really on the back end of what is probably uh, or maybe the front end of what is going to become a coaching search this offseason. I have a feeling and uh, they're kind of devoid of talent at, in, in general. So Eight was kind of hard for me to to wrap my head around uh, until I kind of looked a little bit more at the stats. And, you know, Marquette's just not really good at anything, especially not on the defensive end. North Carolina is just good enough on the defensive end that I can see this being about a 10 to an 11 point win. So we're going with North Carolina on that one by eight. What an interesting past couple of games here for the Tar Heels. They beat Northeastern, obviously, because of COVID shit, but played Northeastern, now Marquette. To your point about Marquette, we were talking about Wojo earlier in the year. After they got that huge tip-in, last-second tip-in victory against Wisconsin, we said it's imperative for him to build on this. They did not. Dawson Garcia is awesome. He's a really good ball player, but uh, they're just not – I mean, Wojo, I don't know if he's cut out for it in Milwaukee anymore. So one more point uh, for Shark and I, and it's a point that him and I have been betting on all year. 
Alabama completely crushed Arkansas in their first matchup this year. I believe the score was 91 to 58. And the season has shown us that that team that gets blown out that first game has covered at an extremely high rate. So that's another good reason uh, for Arkansas. I'll tell you what, if that Alabama-Arkansas game was a Monday night or Thursday night game, Thursday night football or something on Fox, I guarantee you one of the outros or intros to the game or outros to commercial would be that Edward Sharp song, Alabama-Arkansas, because that's what they do. They're very, very pertinent and very uh, you know specific with the music that they choose. Good picks, gentlemen. Thank you. Let's go ahead and finish it up now with some segments this week in feet. 36 years ago, Bobby Knight, the infamous chair toss against Purdue. Uh, it's been imitated, never duplicated, but imitated by Ron Swanson and Parks and Rec. Uh, just, and it's a fantastic, fantastic chair toss. If you really take a look at the film, if you break it down, that chair gets a moving. I mean, and it's an awkward sort of, it's an awkward thing to pick up and throw. Chairs are very difficult to pick up and throw. Uh, Bobby Knight looked as if he was practicing that for years. So this week in feet, 36 years ago, Bob Knight, one of the most iconic temper tantrums you'll ever see in college hoops. Let's go ahead and finish it up now with some hugs. Shark, any hugs? Yeah, I'll give some hugs. Um, kind of just two hugs, two different programs, not ranked in the top 25, but are going to start getting attention here in the, few, in the, in the coming weeks is they're both going to be tournament teams most likely, and they're both going to be considered somewhat darlings. Um, I'm talking about Belmont, who is like 20 and one this year. Great program. You see him at the bottom of the top 25 rankings. They're always going to say votes considered or teams considered for that. I, they should be ranked at this point because for whatever reason, we keep ranking these programs and I'll honestly include Tennessee in this, but programs that keep losing Tennessee, Missouri, um, a, a lot of different, a lot of other ones that keep getting thrusted into the top 25 and they don't deserve to be there. Technically Belmont hasn't beaten anyone and their Ken Palm sucks, but that's pretty impressive that they've done it. And they still have the same kid that was on the team a few years ago, Mazinski, uh, who should have beaten Maryland in the first round of the tournament. I believe it was top left bracket. They had a play in game against Temple getting into it. Six eleven. they were the 11 and they get in there and play Maryland. They lost at a buzzer beater alley-oop to Bruno Fernando. I'm pretty sure about that. Um, but, your bracket's always in the top left. You know that, right? I mean, right, I, I don't know if it's a bit at this point, or you. No, it's like, not. The only right, you, ones you remember. You want to test me? All right. So you referenced another. You referenced the Kentucky Wichita State one eight matchup that was in the bottom right. You want to do another one? Was that? Oh, hang yeah, on. Yeah, right, go ahead. It was. It was in the bottom right. Yeah, it definitely try, was in the bottom right. It's always try in the top again, left. pal. But anyways, that's one hug. Another hug. A similar hug. This team they were hyped up a little bit at the beginning of the year. And I actually kind of want your guys' take on it because it's a former Arizona Wildcat that's leading the charge. BYU. Pretty tough. Ken Palm likes BYU is a good program. They got Alex Barcelo, who is shooting about 47% from three. They got Harms. We all remember Harms on Purdue. You hate that guy. Bony, elbows you too much. Super tall and lanky, but we can't stand them. They got Harms. They got Barcelo. They're going to be a tough out. They played Gonzaga twice and lost both of them, but they're a pretty good team otherwise. So you're, watch out for Belmont and BYU once we get into the tournament. You want my thoughts on Barcelo? It's just another player Sean Miller couldn't couldn't develop and ran him off, and now he's contributing for a potential tournament team. There's my thoughts. Go ahead, Taylor. Well, it's funny too because some of the players that ran him, that he ran those guys that he ran Barcelo off for were for Emmanuel Acat and Devonair Dutrieve, who are actually key contributors to a team that might be another darling in the tournament, Boise State, who is ahead and you know in the top of the Mountain West right now as well. So 
I don't know what that says about us, but uh, there's going to be more former Arizona Wildcats in this tournament than current Arizona Wildcats. I think you do know what it says about us. You just don't want to say it out loud. I think you do know, though. Well, I don't know. How much longer do you want to go on this podcast for now tonight? We'll save that for next week. So I'll give a hug to uh, Joseph Yusufu, who has stepped in for Drake and scored 32 and 36 points after their starting point guard, uh, Roman Penn, went down. Um, Drake, who was my squad this year, is going to be have a really tough time going forward. Roman Penn, their starting point guard, is now out for the season. Um, their best player, Shanquan Hemphill, uh, went down for potentially the season two weeks ago. He had surgery. Um, those are the only three players on the team averaging more than 10 points a game. So Drake, who is undefeated, I think they were one of the last three or four un- uh, undefeated teams in the in college basketball. Uh, it's going to be tough for them going forward uh, without probably their two best players. But hug for Yusufu for scoring 36 and 32 points, stepping in, you know, talk about taking advantage of an opportunity. Absolutely. My hug is for blind resumes. It is blind resume season now, gentlemen. So what that means when you come back from a commercial break, they're going to have a graphic. One resume, win-loss record, Kempom, net, all that shit on one side compared to someone else. And then you got to say to yourself, which one of these two bubble teams is going to get in over the other? And then they, of course, reveal who those teams are. So that's going to be very hot in the streets right now. We're already seeing Lunardi getting a lot more face time. He's lost some weight. He looks very good, by the way. He's got a turtleneck under a blazer. No more tie, like completely constricting his airflow and and bubbling up his neck, uh, but blind resumes be on the lookout for that after every single commercial break. Lunardi just got a new deal with ESPN too, which I think shark had maybe referenced. Did you reference that when uh, bracketology changed formatting on ESPN.com? I might've, I know I gave him a hug for the new structure of it. Right. Yeah, so he, right, ju- yeah. they just announced that he got a new deal too. So um, how big of basketball nerds do you think? Like what's the level scale of one to 10 do you have to be to know which team is each blind resume? Cause I feel like we always know it, at least one of the two teams that's on the blind resume. Well, I think you got to use context clues, right? So if it's a big sure. 10 game, it's probably between two teams in the big 10 that are on the bubble. I don't necessarily know if like big 10 network on a game like Illinois, Ohio state is going to talk about, Duke or Clemson who gets in but to your point I I, I mean I think that's the only context clues you could really use Duke is going to be the blind resume darling of the next three weeks I can also completely disagree with the nerd for knowing who they are I think you're a nerd if you don't know who they are do the research it's the time of the year there's no excuse there's no going out you you call yourself a college basketball guy identify the blind resumes when you can. It should be, it should be uh, self-evident to you as you're looking at it. Well, that's Do what I'm work. saying. Some of them are fairly obvious. I, I think when you look at them, but yeah, I believe con- it, I, I believe it was uh Lamar Jackson. He said, nobody cares. Work harder. So next time you see a blind resume, do that. Write that down. We want to thank you again for listening. We'll catch you next time here on theater and college hoops.
Let me come home. 